You are tuned in to the Jackson Hole Connection, sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I am truly grateful for each of you for tuning in today. And support for this podcast comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, bringing the Jackson Hole community residential and commercial food waste composting options. Call 307-733-7678 for more information. I will begin today's episode with a quote from Jonathan Lockwood Huey. Forgive others, not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. And I pulled this quote from Tina's recent book, which we will hear about on today's episode. And welcome to episode number 246. And today's guest is the author, Tina Welling, who recently came out with the book, Tuesdays in Jail. Originally from Ohio, Tina moved to this valley with her family over 40 years ago, when there were still many dirt streets and many of them didn't even have names. A lot of Tina's book is about the work that she did here in Teton County with the inmates, about journaling. And as a person who journals myself, I know the benefit from journaling but I've never approached journaling with great purpose. And after speaking with Tina and also reading her book, I feel as though I can bring more purpose and value to my journaling. I hope for you all that you find some value in it as well, her book and and this conversation. After speaking with Tina, I realized that I need to allow myself to visit my inner self, which I've always struggled with. And I am grateful for the work that Tina has put together in this book that she created from all of those years of contributing to our community, again, with those inmates in the Teton County Jail. Lots of years. And now with her book, I feel we can all find peace, purpose, and meaning by allowing ourselves to connect with our inner selves. Tina, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's delightful to be able to spend some time with you today. I'm happy to be here, Stefan. Let's start off today, as I've started off all the past episodes, of you sharing where you were born and raised, and how did you land here in Jackson, and how long have you been here? So I've lived in Jackson 40 years. I was raised mostly in Ohio, born in Toledo, uh, lived mostly in Cincinnati. So we first came, uh, my husband and I, and, and two sons, to Wyoming. He was the director of the Wyoming Council on the Arts for five years. And one day we were hiking in Jackson and I said, you know, people should live in the place they think is the most beautiful. And he said, okay. Hmm. And so that's how we landed here. We just came. Hope didn't work out and it did. So you and your husband moved here with two boys. How old were your kids when you guys moved here? I'm a really good mother, but I never remember how old my children are. But they were, you know, like in um, early high school years. Yes. And I I love what you said. If you're going to live someplace, you might as well love the outdoors and, uh, you know, the climate of, of where it is. So you've been here for 40 years. What was Jackson like for you and your family when you moved here 40 years ago? We moved here in the summertime and we worked, John, my husband and I, for the uh, music festival with Margo and Ling Tung. And then that's when we decided we really love the community. We just 
love the way the people used first names, the way they were so awake to everything. And that's when I particularly felt like I would really like to be a part of the business community. So we began uh, looking around for a small business that we could buy. And we uh, ended up buying the small gift shop in Snow King Resort. And at the time it was owned locally. And the shop was, we named it Rosebud. And we had that together for 25 years. Our boys worked in it and my husband and I ran it. And that was just um, a really nice thing. One of the better parts at the time was that we got to close it for two months in the spring and two months in the fall. And that's when I would do my writing. Ah, beautiful. I want to get back to how you mentioned people using first names, how that, how you leaned into that. But before I do, I have a very curious mind and I get off topic very easily. So I'm going to ask when you all were running your gift shop at the Snow King, was that when was when the Clint Eastwood movie was filmed and they shot some of it at Snow King? No, it was after that. It was after that. Okay. It was after that. I was just very curious. Yep. Let's go back to people were using first names and you leaned into that. Tell me what the meaning behind that, that message is. It was community. So, you know, it's like the mountains are beautiful and I loved the wilderness and the way I felt in that for the first time. But the community, that sense of people paying attention really struck me and it still does to this day. You just don't get too much past the Jackson Hole community, those people that live here and care about the others who live here. And did you see that back in, so you guys were living, living in Toledo, correct? No, I was just born in Toledo. We You're... moved here from um, Cincinnati area. Oh, I got that backwards. My apologies. My apologies. So you you were not feeling that. You did, did you not see that or feel that in Cincinnati? It just wasn't a part of my life then. I was a young mother, and mm -hmm. um, I just was struck by the, the power of that here. I think it is unique. Yes. And did that translate into your writing? I don't know that it did particularly. Uh, writing's a very solitary experience. It's nice to have community around. So I notice that when I am deep into a, a long writing project, I like knowing the community is doing interesting things and having events. I just don't want to attend them. <laughs> you know, I'm into my work. I need to be solitary, but I like knowing all that's going on. And with your writing tell tell us about the genre of your your writing that you were doing then and what you're doing now so i began writing uh, just about everything actually i worked at a radio station before we moved to jackson so i wrote commercials that were exactly 30 seconds long not one second longer and so i began writing poems that you could read in exactly 30 seconds not one second longer and then i finally just sort of moved into longer and longer pieces, and I found myself completely taken by the novel form. So my first three books are novels. They were published by Penguin Random House. And after that, I moved into uh, writing nonfiction. Uh, my next book was called Writing Wild, and it was about that relationship between the natural world and our own personal creative energy and how we can 
learn about our per personal creative energy from that of the natural world. And I found that I really liked living in the reality. When you're writing novels, you're always looking through the eyes of your characters and there's kind of a shield. There's something to learn from all of that, but there's also something that separates you a bit from reality. Not being a writer, but being somebody who reads, I can certainly see that perspective because reading nonfiction, you kind of become those characters and being in the, in the world of the nonfiction world where it's, it's the reality. I, I certainly, you know, the fiction versus the nonfiction, I certainly understand that difference. Absolutely. And with writing about writing in the wild, um, in that book. So how many books have you written then? Five. My most recent book was published this past fall and it's called Tuesdays in Jail, What I Learned Teaching Journaling to Inmates. Where were you doing journaling with inmates? Here at the Teton County Jail. So I just started that about 11, 12 years ago, uh, went in on Tuesday nights and worked with the inmates, mostly men, and um, did that for seven years before I just had this real strong urge to share what I was learning with other people. So I began to write the book, Tuesdays mm -hmm. in Jail, then after doing my journaling workshops for seven years. And are you still doing those journaling workshops? I stopped doing them this past winter. I had some personal um, interruptions in my life. Mm -hmm. And also I was experiencing a kind of, oh, just change in my thinking, realizing that I needed kind of like what I was saying about writing fiction. I was looking at all the things I was reading through the eyes of what I would be telling the inmates. So all of the psychology, spiritual books I was reading for my own interest, I found myself translating for the inmates or particular inmates and particular issues they were having. So once again, I was kind of glancing off what I was learning and I realized I need to take that uh, more inwardly. And that coincided with some issues at the jail that just I couldn't quite change. So I was um, often repeating myself, constantly seeing new inmates and not seeing the old ones for weeks later. So there was a lack of continuity. And it was mm -hmm. just a situation that came up and I couldn't do much about. What did you learn from the inmates over all of those years? Well, mainly I learned that we share the same issues. You know, we're all struggling with the same kinds of things. Anger, forgiveness of ourselves and others. Self-esteem, that's a big issue for the inmates. It's a big issue for most of us. I would say whatever I encountered with the inmates, I would end up going home and thinking, wait, I was talking to myself there. I, I was sharing that same problem. They have a more intense, difficult struggle with these issues. I get to have lots of distractions with my problems, you know? It gets to be too much. I can eat potato chips. I can turn on Netflix. I can read a novel. It's not true with inmates. They're just there with themselves and their sadnesses and their issues and angers and abuses and memories without any kind of distraction. And did the journaling offer a distraction or 
What did the journaling offer, I should say? The journaling offered a chance to go inwards. You know, there was a, a small library for the inmates, but that was really about it. Otherwise, there's no real support for the problems that brought them to jail, which in most cases were rooted in addiction, which is rooted in typically childhood abuse. So when we journaled, I would ask them questions that drew their attention inward so that they could put language to what was going on in their minds. I would start every every journaling workshop with questions, five of them, and then we would talk about the answers, what they wrote about those things. No one was ever pressured to read aloud what they had written, but they all wanted to, which was my first biggest surprise was that mm. they really wanted to talk and they were fine about talking about the inner issues that they were experiencing with each other. And so that was that was quite an awakening for me. And I wish there were more opportunities for that to happen for them. Appreciate your connection with people who are on the outside, people who are not incarcerated. We have the same issues as people who are incarcerated. It's what our environment allows and our resources allow us of how to deal with it, things. Curiously, because you mentioned we all have anger and sadness and, and memories that are might not be pleasant, what resources do people have that you are using with the inmates that can help people work through those issues that we all have? Journaling. Mm. Journaling. Just starting with a question that you don't necessarily expect to have an answer for, but you'll gather more information about it. This is how I feel. Why do I feel like this? What thoughts come up? What feelings come up? Just put language to it. It's an amazing experience. You just keep writing and writing and writing, and you learn more about yourself. Self-knowledge is powerful. It's what we all want. We want to have a kind of personal power. And I think journaling is a very good pathway toward that. I agree. I started journaling several years ago and I don't get to it every day, but I'd say three to four days a week, I get to it. I'm probably harder on myself for not doing it every day, but it is an opportunity for me to just put down thoughts. I like what you you said is just start a, with a question that you don't have the answer to. And that's a great advice as, as far as a way to begin versus saying, well, I don't know what to journal about. We can overcomplicate it at times. So let's talk about your book. Well, first of all, can I just say, please don't start your journaling feeling guilty. There's mm. no reason to have to journal any more than you do. I let weeks go by before I journal sometimes. I journal when I have an issue that I just can't figure out or a feeling that bothers me or a relationship issue. I just do it when I need to. So use it as a gift. Don't ever connect guilt or shame with journaling unless that's what you want to write about. And maybe that's a good thing for your next next session. Thank you, Tina. I, I appreciate those those kind words. Very helpful. We can all give ourselves a little grace. Yes. Yes. So your your book, how long has Tuesdays in Jail been out? Uh, it was released at the end of September, this past September. And 
tell me about how it's been received with the general public. You're a local author, but you've written many books. What's been going on since you were released it in September? I released it in September and I had to move the 1st of October. So I'm afraid that a lot of promotion has just been set aside. I have a wonderful publishing company, New World Library, and a publicist that works with me there. And so thanks to her, she set up many things for me to do. But uh, life has just been a little chaotic since the book was released. And um, promotion is not my favorite part. The writing is my favorite part. Talking about the book, I love to talk about the book. I love to talk about inmates and journaling and creative energy. But to just push a book, mm, you know, I'm not so good at that. It doesn't interest me. And I'm afraid I don't even follow the sales numbers. Well, you, I think, won an award for the book. Yes, I did. I won the Nautilus Book Award. And I'm really pleased about that because um, it's a prize for the category of memoir and personal journey, which is just exactly what Tuesdays in Jail is. Very much a memoir, very much my personal journey while I'm talking all the time about the inmates. And I like the idea that Nautilus Book Awards are about creating a better world. I think their motto is better books for a better world. And so their subjects are always conscious living, spiritual growth, community, that kind of thing uh, they have for their category. So yeah, I'm pleased. And I get a shiny gold sticker for my book. I told my friends I was going to wear it on my forehead for a while. The sticker that is. (laughs) I I think you should. And you said that you love talking about your book and um, you love talking about the inmates. Have you heard of this type of program that you had started here happening in in other uh, jails as well? No, I haven't. I hadn't heard of that. I Googled. I tried to find information for that. Prisons, of course, do have some creative writing programs. Again, I never encountered any journaling programs. But they have inmates who are incarcerated for years and years. County jails, at least the Teton County Jail, the longest anyone is incarcerated is one year. Any longer than that, if their sentence is any longer than that, they are sent elsewhere. So people come and go. They're there typically for months. I don't know where I got the idea, really. I can go back and remember when it occurred to me. I was sitting on my porch swing reading a lot of Joseph Campbell about the hero's journey. And that centerpiece that he refers to as the belly of the whale, when we're just kind of cut off from our usual way of knowing ourselves, we're new parents, we're taking care of our elderly parents, we've moved someplace new, or we've begun a new job. It's a situation in which we just don't know ourselves. Struck me as being the epitome of incarceration. You know, the inmates are just stripped of their clothes, their jewelry. They go in with total strangers, no friends, no family around, or else they're totally alone. And they don't know themselves in that situation. And so the only thing that you can do is go inwards. And at the time, I was journaling a lot, and I was going inward a lot. And so I just put the two thoughts together and jumped in. That's beautiful, Tina. You mentioned that you've heard there's creative writing in some, um, in some jail prison systems. Help us understand 
the difference between creative writing, those programs, and journaling. I'm not familiar with the programs. I'm not familiar with prisons, but I can tell you the difference between creative writing and journaling. Yeah. Um, I've been a faculty member at the Jackson Hole Writers Conference for 20 some years, and I'll be doing a workshop this coming session, um, the end of June, about memoir writing. Creative writing is, even when it's memoir, even when it's biography, you are opening up to your imagination. The same thing really happens with journaling. We're always using our imagination, but journaling is very intimate. Creative writing is just has a wider field. Journaling is about our inner lives. So whenever the inmates would want to talk about why they were jailed or what went wrong with the police officer who arrested them, I always just direct them to the inner life because that's what journaling is about. That's what life is about. It's where everything really happens, whether um, you're in jail or whether you're not in jail. It's the inner life that guides us all. And I think so many of us are not comfortable being there. But when you're in jail, you have nowhere else to go. And so that's why I just felt like journaling was a real tool to get someplace there, you know, a kind of guidance for that inner world. It just swirls around their heads with repeated stories of misery and abuse and sadness and horror sometimes. Mm. Do you have some stories or a story which you would want to share with us that has moved you? I could read you a two-page story from my book, Okay, if you like. So, Tina, before we do that, we're going to do take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get into you sharing one of those stories out of your book. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,662 tons of food waste are disposed of in the trash in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve the county's goal to reduce aiming for zero waste. For more information on Teton County, ISWR's residential and commercial food waste programs, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle. Change begins with each of us, one day at a time. Hey, Tina, welcome back. And as we discussed Journaling is very personal. You mentioned it's about sharing what's in our inner life. And you're going to share with us a story of what moved you, one that moved you out of your book. So you take it from here. Okay. It happens to be the last chapter in the book, and it's just two pages long. Aaron was in his mid-20s, built strongly with dark hair cut short, and blue eyes didn't seem to miss much. This was the second time he'd been incarcerated here for domestic battery, both times accused by the same woman. The first time, Aaron was jailed for a week, released on a Friday, arrested again the following Tuesday. This second time, he was put in maximum security. During Aaron's visit down to see me, he was spewing anger. His body shifted restlessly on the plastic chair. I've written shit all over the walls of that stupid-ass dinky cell, and I pace 
from one piece of shit I've penciled at eye level to the next one. Hmm, I said. Sounds kind of like walking meditation. Except the goal is to feel calm inside instead of fury. Aaron's body still. What's walking meditation? I stood up on my side of the lockdown graded room and showed him how to walk mindfully. Slow steps, attention directed inward. Aaron didn't come down for the following Tuesday night workshop. When that happened, I tried not to judge myself about having failed to say the right things when I had the chance. But then he came to see me the week after that. I erased all the shitty crap I wrote on my walls, he said. You did? Yeah, now I've got four things written, one on each wall. Things like, stay strong, be calm. And now I'm doing more like you were saying. What's that, I asked. I'm doing a walking meditation. I walk from one saying to another over and over. Aaron nodded and smiled. I'm feeling pretty good. This is what I find wonderful about understanding there are really no opposites. No one place, for example, where cold becomes hot, but rather a continuum. One step, one degree on the continuum, for what does not work for us to what does. That was how Aaron moved from fury to calm. Two weeks later, when he was released from Max and able to join the regular workshop, he was referring to himself as a man in need of help, and he was taking steps to get it. This is why I continued volunteering at the jail on Tuesday nights. Who else got to witness this kind of uplifting event every week? I watched realization wa wash across faces, saw inside widened eyes caught features soften when the men were encouraged to offer self-compassion. What I did was merely nod toward a light switch. The inmates themselves flipped it on. Joseph Campbell said, your sacred space is where you can find yourself again and again. That made jail, Aaron's sacred space, and mine. Tina, thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking. You recommended to Aaron mindful walking. Did I say that correctly? Yes. I'm hearing that you're very aware of different practices for mindfulness. How were you introduced to, to that thought? I think I've always been interested in spiritual energy and, and just what might not be terribly visible to all of us. I lived in Cheyenne for five years, and during that time, I just happened upon a teacher. Her name was Jeannie, and she lived in a cabin that she had built out of stone um, on the top ridge of the of a canyon in Loveland, outside of Loveland, Colorado. So an hour and a half drive every Wednesday to see her, an hour and a half back. And she just talked about sort of universal spirituality. And from there, um, once we moved here to Jackson, I found a lot of, a lot from the, the wildness around us. You know, I began to just hike all by myself. I was really afraid but I just made a point to go into all the canyons and hike, and that did a lot for me. And then I encountered a Buddhist teacher, which taught me how to meditate. So just kind of went on and on. I did, I've done lots of meditation retreats. I do a lot of reading. It's what I care about. Can we talk about the Buddhist teacher? Was that something here in town? Or yes. did you search that? Out? Oh, it was. Yes. Okay. Yes. And... You said the Buddhist teacher taught you what again? Meditation. Meditation. Mm -hmm. What you learned from the Buddhist teacher, tell me more about what you learned in that, in the meditation. I'd say I learned to be comfortable with silence. 
I am learning to be comfortable with not knowing. We don't really know what's going on. That was something that was a very big piece in my journaling workshops with the inmates because they were always in this situation of not knowing when they could go to court, what would happen to them in court. I learned that this is part of the Buddhist teachings, that we do need to be comfortable with not knowing because that is the reality. So I think what Buddhism and really the wisdom teachers, I'd rather widen that field into wisdom teachers, um, taught me is to face reality, the hard parts, the glorious parts, and work at being comfortable with both. I think we can all use a lot of those teachings and to incorporate them in our lives. Everything in today's world seems so immediate. And the feeling or the emotions of having or receiving an immediate response to actions or thoughts and what you just said about being comfortable with not knowing would allow us all to be okay with some, some time. Yes. A kind of trust in life. Capital mm. L. Yeah. Think about how many people you make a post, it, it's become an addiction in some ways. You make a post to some social media and you just need to keep watching your post to see how many people respond to it or like it or share it or love it or whatever platform you're using. It's, it's changed. It's the need that I need to take people taking selfies and, and sharing it with the West, rest of the world or where, what food you just ate or where you're going to get your shoes shined or whatever versus just being with yourself. Yes, exactly. I think that is just the outer world versus the inner world, you know, and mm. um, the outer world holds a lot of stress. It's a, it's a world of doing. And I'm talking about a world of being. And when I'm talking to the inmates, that resonates because they can't do anything. And it's very frustrating for them. They feel like they're not earning money for their families. They're not accomplishing anything at all. They're just sitting there. And so they need to also be comfortable with the inner world, with the being, with the not knowing. It's not easy. It's not an easy place for most of us, but it gets why, easier. Why do you say it's not easy? Because we need to address the pain in our lives. If we don't, I believe, and the things I'm reading, the research I'm doing tells me it goes into our bodies or we're putting it out there into our relationships. If we're not taking responsibility for our own pain, we're making others deal with it. We're being angry people. We're, I mean, happy people want to, to make other people happy. Happy people are kind people. And if you're not the happy person, you're trying to make others feel the way you feel, kind of miserable inside, self-doubting, uncertain, all those. Getting other people to feel the pain that you're feeling, that has a, a big message there versus addressing the pain that we're feeling ourselves. Yes, that's true. The component that I think a lot of people are missing is giving ourselves a kind of kindness, love, 
when we are dealing with these painful things. We have to feel this pain. We have to bring it up. We have to recognize where it's hitting us in our body, what it's stirring in our thoughts and our feelings. And then we need to give ourselves kindness and love. And then we need to let it go. And we need to do the same thing with the same issue over and over and over. And what happens is that that pain loses its charge and we can deal with it in a more constructive way. We can understand it, give ourselves understanding. And that's not the same thing as giving ourselves excuses. It's just saying, yes, that was a hard time in my life. And I was in confusion and I reacted this way. I can do better next time. I have that ability. I have that strength to remember who we really are in there. And it's hard, especially hard for the inmates when from the time they were little children, looking up to their parents or their caretakers is the gods in their life. They were typically, and this was typical over the thousands that I met, finding abuse, finding indifference, finding that that parent or caretaker was under the influence of something or other that kept them from being present. And so the inmates found that is a way to deal with their pain. Drink too much, take drugs. And it was a way of numbing out to life because it was a survival tactic. It was the only thing they could do to stay alive. Is what you're talking about addressing the pain, acknowledging it versus ignoring it, is that a way to end that cycle of abuse, of neglect, of the issues that might lead into somebody that you, because of all the people who you met were incarcerated, to end that cycle? I think so. What I am reading supports that idea. I keep encountering it. Um, various um, wisdom teachers, psychology. I think it's a good path. It's working for me. Mm -hmm. In addition to reading your books that you've produced, that you've created and are sh sharing, are there a few books that you would want to recommend to someone to read that helps with this of how to address this pain that we all have and to acknowledge it so it doesn't become something buried and it allows us to be good citizens in life and help others and share that happiness. Well, yes, I feel like I feel a certain reluctance in suggesting spiritual books because I feel like I would rather somebody just go into a bookstore and we've got two beautiful ones here in Jackson mm -hmm. and just pick up books, read the first paragraph or so, open it up in the middle, see if it just resonates with you. See if that voice, that way of addressing um, life feels meaningful. Um, otherwise, you know, for me, I read Eckhart Tolle, I read Pema Schroden, I read so many different, different books. I have stacks all around and I don't even start on page one and go through. I'll start on page one and then I'll go to another book and see what they might say about that subject. But as far as just dealing with our pain and how it we go into denial and how it affects our body. I really admire Gabor Mate's work. 
He has uh, books about addiction. He has a book about ADD. He has a book about drama. His, that's his newest one. He is about a, a book about how the body says no, which is his manuscript about denying things in our lives and pushing them down into our bodies and our bodies then express them. So yeah, there's there's a lot of wonderful books out there. And I think Gorman would be great to start with. I think Eckhart Tolle would be great to start with. I've, I've read Eckhart Tolle, one of his books. This is new for me to hear Gabor Matei. Yes. Could you spell Matei for me? M-A-T-E accent mark on the E. M-A-T-E. E with accent. Beautiful. Thank you, Tina. I love sharing quotes and from books that I read and sharing. I created a library here and share it with my friends and people that I work with. And I think sharing books is a beautiful way to help spread kindness in the world. I agree. And I appreciate you sharing some authors. I also appreciate you sharing your experience and putting it in the format of a book so we can all learn from your experience and learn from the brave people who allowed themselves to be vulnerable and share their journal writings with you and That's how you the key. Them. That's the key, being vulnerable. Yeah, mm. yeah. As soon as we're vulnerable, we're kind of shunting aside our ego, which likes mm. to be in charge, which likes to post so often, as you were referring to, you know. But if we work on that sense of willingness to be vulnerable in the world and with each other that's a big big leap in in a single word well said tina i think that's a wonderful way to end the conversation today and where can people find your book tuesday in jail tuesdays in jail tuesdays in jail is at valley bookstore right downtown across the street from persephone and it's at the book trader out on the highway and also in their annex in Wilson. Okay. And when will people begin to see the medallion? And you said that was the, what what award again was it? The Nautilus Book Award. And I'm taking Nautilus. my shiny um, circles to the stores today to slap on my book. Proudly. Yes. <laughs> Proudly. And Tina, if people wanted to connect with you, what is a great way for people to reach out and connect with you? Well, I think check into the Jackson Hole Writers Conference is one way. I'm not always open to um, emails. So I'm Tina Welling author at gmail.com and okay. I always respond. That's terrific. Well, is there still availability for people to join your, um, your class that you will be leading at the Writers Conference this year? Yes, there is. There are openings. The Writers Conference is something I have been involved in for 20-some years, just probably a couple of years after they started, first as a writer and just a volunteer, and then eventually got published, and now I get to be on the faculty and I teach. So I'll be teaching a memoir workshop, which will involve mostly just writing a lot of the questions that I use for the um, inmates' workshops that will get us started. It'll just be a couple hours on Friday night to on uh, June 23rd to just write and write and write. And I did get to interview Tim Sandlin, who I believe is involved. Or He's the he director. Was one of the founders. 
Yes. And it was a joy to be able to speak with him. And it's been an absolute joy to to have this time with you, Tina. I appreciate it. Thank you, Stefan. I enjoyed it thoroughly myself. You're welcome. Well, have a great day, Tina, and have a successful and happy Writers Conference and keep on making a difference in people's lives. Thank you, Stefan. You're welcome. To learn more about Tina Welling and her book, Tuesdays in Jail, visit thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 246. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Get out and share this podcast with your friends and families, Instagram and Facebook. If you know of somebody who would like to be a guest, send us their name. We'd love to have them. Take care, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.